sunk costs create really, really bad decisions because we don't want to be wrong. We, we want to be able to say, I made this happen. And I watched people that were not willing to say that they were wrong in the real estate correction back in 2008. And they held on and they spent years just working through stuff and it never really worked out because they insisted on being right. That's one of the most deadly mistakes we'll make is insisting that we need to be right instead of saying I was wrong and stopping. Welcome to Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, a podcast for international investors and real estate entrepreneurs looking to break into the U.S. market. G'day, g'day, guys, and welcome to another cracking edition of Investing in the U.S., an Aussie's Guide to U.S. Real Estate, the number one podcast geared towards helping international investors break into the U.S. market and start buying cash-flowing deals. From Los Angeles, I'm your host, Reed Goosens. Good as always to have you with us on the show. As you know, this show is all about educating my loyal listeners about the benefits of uh, of investing in US cash flowing real estate. Now, if you want to join my community of awesome entrepreneurs out there, there who listen to my show each and every week, jump on iTunes and subscribe to the show. And once you're there subscribing, give the show a five star review or give the show a review. Don't have to get five star. Give it whatever you want. But in return for doing uh, giving the show a review, shoot me a screenshot of the review and I will in return shoot you back the new ebook hot off the press which is in called the art and science of raising capital like a pro the 4p rule and what it is is the 4p's that I have noticed in not, not only in myself but in other people who have successfully raised capital and how you start raising capital successfully and those 4p's are quite simple they're professionalism pitch practice and patience. And this ebook really just breaks it all down for you in very seven short pages of how you start taking yourself seriously as a capital raiser. So if you're really interested uh, in learning how to raise capital like a pro, jump on iTunes, give the show a five-star review, then hit me up, send send a screenshot of the review at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. That's info at rsnpropertygroup.com. Some other housekeeping items for, for us today, just before we dive into today's show, is that I'm starting a mentorship program. So um, a lot of people have been asking me when I would start starting a mentorship program, and I finally have got around to doing it. So I'm pretty excited. It's going to be launching in 2017, which is uh, when this show will be relaunched. And what it is, it will be um, my mentorship program for buying multifamily real estate. Uh, I'm going to take you through the, the A to Z of how you start creating and buying large multifamily. Everything from deal analysis to choosing the right market to making sure you have the right team with you to financing options and how you obtain financing here in the United States. And finally, the biggest, most important, how you start raising capital. Uh, we'll be, I'll be starting a, an academy for uh, people who want to get involved in buying multifamily real estate and we'll have Facebook groups, um, weekly check-ins with me um, personally, one-on-one sessions, and we'll also be doing weekly check-ins with, with a group as a whole. I'm only taking on about 15 mentees right now. So if you are interested, uh, again, hit me up at info at rsnpropertygroup.com. Very, very excited to have that program launching uh, in 2017. 
Guys, if you have any comments about today's show, please leave a comment on my uh, on my website. Uh, there's a comment section under each, each and every blog, or tweet at me, because that's a really awesome way to leave comments. I always love hearing comments from guys uh, who listen to the show, have tuned in, guys and girls, I should say, and that they you know, give feedback, because that feedback helps me produce a better show. So tweet at me at Reed Goosens, R-E-E-D-G-O-O-S-S-E-N-S. And remember, if you all, I will always tweet back at you if you tweet at me. All right, guys, enough out of me. Let's get cracking and into today's show. Today in the show, I have the pleasure of speaking with Damien Lupo. Damien is a serial entrepreneur, and throughout his career, he has started and owned over 30 different companies, including an insurance agency, a precious metal firm, a venture capital company, and a financial consulting company. Plus, he's also owned a dozen real estate and investment firms throughout his career. Damien is also a five-time author and a sought-after financial consultant. His vision for this year was to found a new company called Total Control financial. Extremely impressive guy. Enough out of me. Let's get him out here. G'day, Damien. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, mate? Hey, man. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, man. Awesome that you can jump online. Whereabouts are you dialing in from today? I know you're a busy, busy man. Yeah, I'm right in the middle of the country. I'm, I'm a little bit south of, of Omaha. I'm here in Austin, Texas. Nice, nice. I've been to Austin a few times. Um, Born and bred in Austin? No, I was born and bred in the middle of nowhere. I grew up in Alaska in the middle of the Arctic. <laughs> Well, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit, but what I was reading about you, which was kind of interesting, um, that you have three black belts, is that correct? Uh, that's pretty awesome. That you, I'm sure you can hold your own uh, in a street fight if you ever got into, involved in a street fight. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny, man, that the, the best part about having black belts and all the training is that the likelihood I'm ever going to be in a fight is so low, <laughs> and which is good because when you have a, a bunch of training like that, you really don't want to be because the, the likelihood is you're going to end up in jail. And, and so you just you hope you never ever get to use it or have to use it. It's it's just it's a beautiful thing to be able to move with that type of, of grounding and presence and and the confidence so you're not afraid of going out into the great the great wonders and wild of the world. No, I um I completely understand the sort of the self uh, training to try and get uh, master an art, but the three of them. So to tell me a little bit more about the different three, I don't know much about you know martial arts and all that sort. Of, I watch a little bit of MMA on on the cable network, but that's about it. So tell me what are what are the three black belts in? What what sort of specific um, arts are they? They have a, a pretty pretty heavy focus on Aikido, and that was the original one, which is the art of peace. And, and for people that don't know what Aikido is, it's if you've ever seen Steven Seagal, where he moves mm-hmm. around and he kind of throws people and he uses pool cues to kind of whack them and things. His is pretty aggressive. Uh, the the style that that I've been training with Aikido is is more of a blend. It's it's a softer thing. And one of the things you realize as you get older, you're you're mortal. And so when I was a, a younger, 20 years ago, starting out, it was a lot more aggressive, a lot more flying through the air and crashing down. And now I actually want to be able to move the next day. So my focus has has gotten softer and softer. And and so my my teaching style has has shifted that way. Although a few years ago, I started training with something that was based on Kajikembo, which is a just about the most aggressive martial art that's out there. I mean, it's you, you hit somebody 47 times, and when they're unconscious, you're still kicking and, and punching them. So I, that's not really my thing. I, I don't I don't like the conflict in in that way. 
so I learned it just to have some other perspective. And I think that's one of the useful things to have perspective outside of what we know. And it just, it maybe, maybe it's something that's new and we go, that, that works for us. Or it also helps us to understand why we love what it is that we do so much when you have the contrast. Right, right. I've actually taken a few classes in Krav Maga. I don't know if there's any, any similarities with any of those disciplines that you, you train in. That, that's actually closer to the Kaiji Kembo. Right. Krav Maga is, is pretty intense and it's, it's meant to be really aggressive. So it's the opposite of, of Aikido. It's, it's, very, it's closer to the Kaiji Kembo. And, and so my, my personality and, and how I like to show up is, and how I do show up is, is more Aikido. It's the art of peace. And what I founded was, was Yokido, which is a blend of yoga and Aikido. And so it's, and it's the art of peaceful union. So it's about bringing people together and that flow between them and the healing aspect of it, not just about pummeling somebody to death. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and, and then running the other way because that's kind of what Krav Maga is all about. It's just like beat, exactly. the, beat the crap out of them and get out of there. <laughs> yep, yep. So Damien, before we dive into the nuts and bolts of today's show, you obviously have an extremely incredible story. 30 businesses you've started. You're in real estate. You're in across so many different um, I don't even want to, not, not necessarily businesses, but different assets, different industries. How do you get so successful? What's your background? Well, the, the, the way you get successful is be really unsuccessful with a lot of things. <laughs> the thing that actually scares me, Reed, is when people say, I've done these things and, and I say, well, cool, what, what, have you, what have you fallen on your face with? And they go, well, I haven't really lost anything. If I'm about to invest with somebody like that, I put the brakes on, I know that I'm about to be their first mistake. Inevitably, that's what happens. I'm, I'm the one that they get to cut their teeth on with my money. And so I, it, it, you get to be successful by going out there and learning by real application of something. And those mistakes, that's where we grow. And so it's it, 30 companies. And what does that mean? It means I went out there and started 30 things. And at, at least at least half of those things didn't work. I pulled the plugs. I had a restaurant at one point and I built it out for almost a year and then I pulled the plug, $100,000 into it of my own money just to test and I was only half built. So I've done things, I've had plenty of successes with real estate and, and venture capital and such, but the, the, most, the biggest power is in failing fast, learning to go do something and then saying, I'm, you know what, that didn't work and I'm out. And, and it's not about saying, I'm committed to doing this thing no matter what happens. Well, sometimes things change in the world. Real estate markets change. And if we're not willing to say, uh-uh, wrong, wrong market, wrong tactic, the rules have changed. If we're not willing to do that fast, we're going to get absolutely killed. And the problem with getting killed because you were sticking is that it takes a long time to, to reboot, to get back in the game. And that's what you really can't afford is to be on the sidelines for years, which is part of what my experience was, getting my, my ass kicked so bad that I ended up on the sidelines for like five or six years. And at that point, you're almost starting over because you're, you're, you're so disconnected from what's going on and, and things, how they've changed. Right. So you're sort of saying, fail fast, get, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and get going again, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's the time that you're, you're disconnected. And, and so just being okay with the fact that you're going to learn by not being perfect. And it's, it's about progress. It's what Steve Siebold talks about in, the, in his book, The 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class. He talks about the, the idea that the great ones, the world class, are always p- pushing for progress. I mean, that's a, it's a huge thing. And, it, and you have to remember that. It's not about perfection. That's, that's, a, that's a unicorn. Right, right. Um, so tell me a little bit more about how you got started being an entrepreneur. You know, rewind to when, I don't know, your early 20s. Um, where did you start out? How did you start, you know, where did you think, you know what, I need to be an entrepreneur and I don't need to go to school and go and get a job and just, you know, do the grind for the next 40 years of my life? 
Well, my, fortunately for me, jobs with somebody else dictating things never really worked. It's in fact the last time I, I tried to do that in 2010, I was volunteering for a political campaign and I got fired. And I, I, I pretended I didn't get fired. I actually argued with people online claiming I didn't get fired. And then I finally just said, you know what? I did get fired. I, I was not a good employee of, of somebody else's agenda because I play to win. I, it's important to me that I'm all in. And and so I need to be around people. I might be able to work for somebody that was really playing all to all, you know, playing to win. But in that case, I realized, okay, this is not where I'm supposed to be. The beginning in, in my my early twenties, the the thing that worked for me so well is that I didn't really have any rules. I didn't know. And this it got me into trouble too. But when we're when we're 20, 21 years old, or maybe even 30, we don't have all the brain damage of all the people that are telling us what can't be done and all the rules that we've been exposed to. So when I started, I said, "Okay, well, I want to be a real estate magnet. I want to be a. I want to be the next Trump. I mean, at the time, Trump wasn't running for president. He wasn't going to be the president. I wanted to be a real estate guy and and have billions. And so, that's what I basically went out with. I said, "How do I? How do I start doing that?" And I bought that first house in 1999 on my Visa card. And I, 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 you know, I didn't. It seemed like a fine idea. Now I would look at that and go, "That's a little crazy to essentially charge a, car, a house on your card, have no idea how to do anything with the house, and just figure, hey, it'll work because I saw an infomercial at two o'clock in the morning and I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and that's really what I started with. Just a lot of youthful exuberance and, and excitement, and I figured I'd figured it out. Right, right. And how has that youthful exuberance? Because we've all been there. You know, I'm I'm in my early 30s, and I've been on this journey for the last five, uh, four or five years now. Um, definitely have the same sort of drive that you you had in your early 20s, which was sick of the rat race, sick of you know being an employee for someone. So how do you use that youthful exuberance to to your benefit to then fail fast and then pick yourself up and go again? Well, I think it almost goes if, if you if you're using it, it it it's it serves you just because you're using it. The the danger is not having anybody giving you feedback that's that's lovingly supporting you and will ask you hard questions because you don't want to have people that are that are 50, 60 years old looking at you going, that's stupid, don't do that, that's stupid, don't do that. And at the same time, you don't want to have a bunch of of your your colleagues that are the same age saying, yeah, this is amazing because they have no clue either. So you really want people that will ask you hard questions and and help you see your blind spots, which is why I love people that have coaches and mentors and I have those and I have and I am those. I mean that guy helping people see what they can't see. It's simply having a blend of those two so you can be energetic without running right right off a cliff just because you happen to like running really fast. Right, 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 right. So what have been some of the bigger lessons you've learned in your career? Um, starting 30 businesses, 15 of them have failed um, that you have helped you shape the person you are today. A couple of big ones that I, I can't possibly know what I don't know and, and that goes back to having people around us that have experience and there's a difference in, in the, the coaching and mentoring world between people that are, are skilled in coaching or almost like therapy or things and then there are mentors that have been there and done that. And I, it, it's critical to have, especially in real estate, to have mentors that have actually been through things, not just the, the guy that, that went out there and bought 50 houses or, or has a portfolio, but the one that got their ass handed to them. And, and they're going to be able to feel and see things beyond the horizon because they've been through that pain before. So having people that have that practical experience is, is a huge one. I, I go back to that constantly because everything else is kind of small in comparison to that one thing, just having that guidance. And and it also helps to make sure that your ego doesn't get totally out of control. I mean, that's what got me into a lot of trouble because I was thinking about the money 
and it was all about the money. My mission was the money. My, my value system was based on how many dollars were in different bank accounts and how many Ferraris can I get and, and all that kind of stuff. If that's the mission, it's never going to be enough. And you have to ask yourself a deeper question. Why, why are you doing what you're doing? What, what's the contribution? What, what's the human need that you're serving? Is it just about a bigger bank account? Because that's probably more about fear and insecurity and scarcity than it is about abundance and, and contribution and fulfillment. Right, right. And then let's dive a little bit deeper into that topic because you said before when you started that you you know you started a, a restaurant, you had a hundred thousand dollars into it, and you you didn't even finish it, and then you had to pull the plug. So what's the difference in your mind between using that using that youthful exuberance to go on to the next thing, or actually calling out a spade a spade and you know saying let's pull the plug and move on? Well, here's one of the things you, you you realize pretty pretty fast that money is is a fleeting thing. It's an idea and. And the power is in going out and taking action. It's not about thinking through everything and just thinking and keeping it in your head. With the restaurant, so I took action. I went out and I did something I hadn't done before. I went and, and said, I'm going to do a restaurant. So we started building and our timing couldn't have been worse. It was We started building in 2008, right before the whole global meltdown. And and so it was 100000 of my money and about another $300,000 of, of um, money to, to start this project. And at the end of the thing, I, I realized, hey, this is going to be a bad idea. And as soon as I realized that, it took me about three days to say I'm done. And I, I let go of that that hundred thousand. The, the the lesson there, one of the big lessons is in the sunk costs. I could have said, well, I've got a hundred thousand already in this thing. I might as well go and, and just push it through. The problem is it could have completely taken me out of the game and and wiped me out completely instead of just saying, all right, this is this is lost. It's gone. Sunk costs create really really bad decisions because we don't want to be wrong. We we want to be able to say I made this happen. And I watched people that were not willing to say that they were wrong in the real estate correction back in two thousand eight, and they held on and they spent years just working through stuff, and it never really worked out because they insisted on being right. That's one of the most deadly mistakes we'll make is insisting that we need to be right instead of saying I was wrong and stopping. Right. Yeah, no, I've I've been there. I've had a few flips that have not gone my way um, due to whatever reasons and have end up in the red. Uh, and, you know, it's something you should, okay, get yourself, pick yourself up and move on again. Um, let's not do, let's not do flips anymore. Let's, let's value cash flow rather than flipping. Um, yeah, but um, so, so what are you working on today? I know, I know I mentioned in the, early in the, uh, in the introduction that you've started a new company, which seems pretty exciting. Um, what is it? And tell me more about it because, you know, you're an entrepreneur. I want to know all about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, Reed. Well, I mean, you, you mentioned something just a second ago. That's a big part of what, what I'm doing now. The, the company Total Control Financial that, that I launched about a year ago with, with my partner and, and built a team around it has everything to do with freeing people from all of the, the shackles and, and, and the problems in, involved in the typical financial system and the Wall Street system. Basically, we're, we're helping people exit that and get into real estate or get into precious metals. Like, for example, one of the coolest things I can do, somebody says, I want to get out of real estate and I like gold because I think gold is a great place to hedge right now. I can move their money from today. I can have their retirement money in gold where they own gold and it's in their hand in seven days. And so that's, I'm able to do things really, really fast to put people in the driver's seat because most people with their, their finances or their retirement money are, they're in the passenger seat at best, or they might be in the trunk. They're really not sure what's going on. They're just, their vehicle is all over the place and they're hoping for the best, but they have no optics. They can't see anything. So what I'm doing is, is putting them in the driver's seat of a vehicle that allows them to drive where they want to go. And and it's really based on creating tools of of cash flow. To me, what, and you said this a second ago, 
the, the building cash flow and and that idea with real estate is one of the most powerful things people can do and it's so much better in my opinion than building up a big pile of cash because cash is fleeting and you talk to somebody that has has built up a million or two or five million dollars they're still scared that they're going to lose it there's because they're spending it they, they don't want to make a mistake if they've if they're 50 60 years old and they've got this cash they know that they can't build it up over another 30 or 40 years and and so cash versus cash flow is a huge difference in with real estate people that are just flipping that's not cash flow that's just they're they're just it's a one-off event and and the true wealth is knowing that every month you've got something showing up whether it's royalties or real estate that was one of the things that I I totally screwed up where I had cash flow and then I kept harvesting it so I basically would sell off the equity or refinance and I never really had the cash flow building and sustaining I was too busy spending so fast that I had to kill off my golden goose and I see a lot of people doing that because they're not patient and patience will make you a fortune or it'll crush you right no I cash flow is king uh, brother amen to that I can tell you that it is in my experience that uh, particularly investing here in the United States that cash flow is king and for all those listeners out there um, you know, here in the United States, cash flow is more prevalent, in my opinion, than back in Australia where I'm from. And it's the barriers to entry in the real estate market are a lot, a lot lower. Um, but enough enough about that. Well, talk to me a little bit about how the idea of retirement and how how and why it makes your skin crawl. Because I noticed, uh, I heard you on a podcast talking about it. I really resonated with that. The idea of that we we're supposed to save for 40 or 50 years and then have this pool of cash that is hopefully going to last us for another 30 years. And apparently our mid-60s is a great time to start living our life. Yeah. I mean, read the, the thing about the idea of retirement, this was this was an, an idea that was that people don't realize was meant to retire machinery. It was meant to retire things that had expired. And so people got this idea that, hey, I'm going to be done working. I'm going to be done being productive. And then uh, at that point, I'll have my golden years and I'll go do something. And then typically the average, at least the average male in the United States is dead three years after they retire. So my contention is, why would you do that? Why would you go and say, I'm going to check out and be dead three years later? Why not start living whatever it is you have in your mind for retirement, start doing that when you're 30, 40 years old. And and then you're not looking for that moment in time where something something happens and you're, you're done. I, my belief is that the universe will conspire with you if you're on the right path. If you say, okay, my path is done, I'm now retired, the universe is going to say, okay, well, we're done with you because you're not contributing anymore. And, and so there what we want is we want a life that's fulfilling that is full of experiences and where we contribute 60 years old you've had 40 years of of wisdom that you've built up why would you stop contributing at that point that's when you're really valuable and people are like well i'm going to go golf that's stupid i mean that's that's the dumbest thing ever i've got my my 2 or 3 million dollars in the bank and it's time to play like w- really because at that point, you're going to be concerned, like I said before, that your your two or three million or whatever the heck that number is may disappear. And so what I've seen is people get so scared, they go into this fear space and they look for somebody to save them. They look for a financial advisor that's going to guarantee them something that's going to give them two or three percent of their money. And then they, they live out their days being afraid or being or living with a, a small amount of, of actual life juice, you know, the, the flow, the, the cash that they can use. And it's it's because they've given up on on their participation, and I think a lot of what retirement has been it, it's it's been uh, it's been a pitch by a system that really it works for the system, 
it works for the for the Wall Street system to where it gets paid constantly for people to participate and and then people are left hoping and praying and worrying and so I, I fundamentally disagree with that whole system. I think it's time for people to take self-responsibility and the stuff that you're doing where you're sharing what people are doing for themselves. You're, you're, talk, you're talking to a lot of self-responsible people and those ideas are great for people to, to run with instead of saying, well, I'm just going to turn all my, my money and my wealth and my hopes and dreams over to someone and hopefully when I'm 60, then I can actually live. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> exactly. So, I I can't agree more with you, mate. I heard I heard you say that exact thing on another podcast, and I was like, that is brilliant because that is exactly right. You're a lot of people out there just think I'm going to give someone some money, and I'm going to blindly give them some money. I've got no idea what they you know their financial advisors or what you know what quote unquote, and now they're in control of my capital. That's the whole point of you know being in control and investing in real estate. You are in control. You know when when um, the other day when Brexit happened, you know your four hundred one k you know went down and that you had no control over that. But did my rents in my property go down? No, they didn't. They stay the same, and I would still be able to make cash flow. So that was really, you know, poignant to me, uh, particularly for my international investors when Brexit happened. I was like, yeah, well, do you have do you have any real estate you're investing in right now? So. Um, I can't, I can't agree with you, with you much more. So we talked about the why uh, here right now. We talked about, you know, why retirement is bad. Talk to me a little bit about EQRP and, and what is it? So the, the EQRP is the Empowered Qualified Retirement Plan. And what that means to someone is you've got a, a version of a qualified retirement plan. You've got like a 401k or an IRA. And people talk about these. Typically, real estate investors aren't all that excited because they go, eh, 401k, I'm going to be stuck in, in stocks or bonds or whatever. And that's not exciting. And then they'll go, hey, I'm, it's cool, though. I can do this thing with this self-directed IRA where I can, I can invest in real estate. That's a disaster. And it's, it's a disaster because you, you don't really have total control. You, you don't have the ability to... To, to buy real estate, act fast, and not get feed to death with a self-directed IRA. And, and one of the, the great things about real estate is debt. Debt can leverage you and make you a fortune. The problem with using an IRA is that you get to pay taxes. Even though it's this great retirement vehicle with tax advantages, you get taxed if you use debt. With an EQRP, one of the coolest things ever is that you can go buy property and take on debt and all of the profits you get to keep for yourself. You, you don't have to actually pay taxes today, and you do with an IRA. So the EQRP gives you power to where you have control in your hand of all your retirement money. And if you do it with, with the Roth piece that we set up for you, you're going to end up paying no taxes. You can have $100 million in there, and you're not going to pay any taxes. That's kind of compelling for people when they have a 0% tax bracket. I mean, all these politicians that talk about they're going to lower the taxes, well, zero is about as low as you're going to get unless you have the government paying you. So I like zero. That's what we create is, is the opportunity to invest and build real wealth and not pay taxes. So I think to me that that's the most patriotic thing to not pay taxes, to go do good with the money, to create jobs and, and not continue to give money to a government that's going to squander and act really stupid. Right, right. So walk me through some of the details. If I have, say, $100,000 and I want to start I want to start an EQRP program, how do I do it? And then what? walk me through what I can then do with that 100K to then go buy a cash flowing property. Yeah, so so we're gonna so there's different ways to get money into your EQRP. So you're gonna be able to invest it. So let's say you have money that uh, that you've earned from your 
from what your activities, you're doing real estate stuff or you're doing your whatever your your employed your self-employed money or you've got a previous chunk of 100,000 from a, an employer that you had a 401k, we're going to put that we're going to get that money into your plan. At that point, it's sitting in your EQRP. It's either a contribution or a rollover. Just it, we'll keep it simple. It's one of those two things. So now you have the 100,000 in there. At this point, you've got you are in charge of this. You've got a checkbook. Your 100,000 is in there. You're totally it's it's up to you. You're totally in charge and in control. At that point, you just go write checks for the investments that that make sense to you, that resonate with you. You don't have to have somebody else telling you yes or no, or I'm going to charge you fifty or a hundred dollars every time you write a check, which is what custodians do. You get to be in charge, and you're not you're not charged for that that opportunity to write a check. And then you go buy things like real estate, like precious metals. You can do hard money loans. You can you can invest in private equity. You can do damn near anything you want. There's just a small number of things that you can't do, like you can't invest in uh, in your own company that you're that you that you control and you own. You can't invest in. You can't buy yourself a house and live in it. I mean, there are some things that you're restricted to. It's a very small list. The truth is, you have so many options, a world of options beyond what's normally out there for retirement accounts. And and you can say, I am opting out of Wall Street. I don't want to care what happens on the news tonight. I don't care if the market went up or down. I don't care who got elected to the the next presidency. It doesn't matter to me because I've got a checkbook and I've got real things like real estate and like gold. Like I'm in control. Nobody's going to be able to screw around with it. No market is going to really screw with my my financial future and my wealth. Okay, so if I go out there and with 100k and I want, I see a property for five hundred thousand dollars, so I, I go get debt on that property, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that property then produces income. Do I put that income back into the EQRP? Am I required to do that? Um, and, and the second question to that point is, you know, a lot of people want to set up asset protection, so because if it's a rental, they want to protect themselves. So do I have to be? Do I can I set up an LLC or do it, it has to be Reed Goosen's on the deed um, connected to my EQRP? You're, the the property is actually going to be owned by your EQRP, so it's, it's you Got can it. think of it as its own animal, it's its own business, and it's going to own the property. The revenue is going to come back into your EQRP, and and so it's going to sit there. And at some point, when you you want to take it out, right now the rules say that when you're 59 and a half, you can pull it out, and you can you can have all of all of this being tax free. One of the neat things is that the way we we write your plan is that you're able to pull fifty thousand dollars out anytime you want as a loan. You can just write yourself a check. So it's like the ultimate credit line that you yourself are underwriting. And that's pretty amazing to, to realize that you don't need to go beg Bank of America for a credit card. You have a $50,000 credit card sitting there anytime you want for anything you want. And there's there's no limit on that. Right. So and that $50,000, is that a one-time uh, thing or is it like once a year or how does it work? Like if, you're, if you've got a great cash flowing property that's continuing to make this great cash and you start all of a sudden building up a really big nest egg in this EQRP, is there a limit to how many 50Ks I can go and get? You can have a total of 50,000 out at any one time. So okay. yeah, that's it's 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 essentially a one-time thing. You pay it back. You could borrow it again. It's just a credit line. So usually what people do with real estate is they'll have some of their, their properties in their EQRP and some of them outside because you can't live on your EQRP money if you're 30 or 40 years old. You're going to have a problem. You need to have a, a split. And and so there's a, a way to build up the, the assets that are going to have really, really, really big returns over the next 10, 20 years. Because if you can build those up and there's no tax at all ever, that's pretty awesome. And then you can live off the other ones that maybe you're getting cash flow from that you're, you've got depreciation offsets and you're going to be able to have that pretty much tax-free. So you, you basically blend the two. I don't think it makes sense to have everything in, in one or the other. 
Right. And so when I when the money goes into the EQRP, do I get taxed on that at all, like a self-directed IRA or self-directed Roth? When you when you first contribute to it, there's two ways of putting it in. You, you can either do a tax deferred where you get a tax uh, deduction this year, or you can do after-tax money. And the reason I like the after-tax money, especially if we're young, is we have no idea what the tax rates are going to be. And I don't know about you, I'm guessing you're the same. We want to make a lot more money and, and be a lot wealthier later. We don't want to be broke like a lot of these financial planning morons say, hey, you don't worry, you're going to spend less and, and you're going to be in a lower tax bracket. Why would you prepare to be poor when you're older? That's, this, that's again, stupid mentality. And and, I, and when people go, okay, no, I want to be rich. I'm going to set myself up for success. Then then you say, okay, well, let's let's get the taxes handled now. And down the road, we're going to we're going to be at zero. So I like the idea of paying it now, and that's my personal preference. So I'm I'm not going to defer and hope it all works out that the tax brackets or the tax rates are going to be lower down the road. I'm expecting them to be higher. I'm expecting the government to say we need more revenue because they're spending maniacs. So that's you do have the option. You can have the deduction if you want. Wanted, uh, a couple in one household could have $120,000 worth of deductions each year. I mean, that's that's how powerful this can be. So you can reduce your tax bill massively by using this thing. Wow, that's in- that, that is absolutely incredible. But you still got to look at it like a little bit of a nest egg, and you can't touch it till after 65 years of age. Um, talk to me about some of the fees to get this whole thing set up, and how do you how do you get set up? Who who do I go to talk to? Obviously, you can talk to yourself. Or is there any other people out there? Yeah, there's there's lots of people have different versions of this. Uh, for for us, we set it up. You have a you have a one time fee. It's going to be a couple thousand dollars to get it set up, and we take care of everything so that inside of a week you're going to have your checkbook and you're going to be ready to go. And then every year there's a lot of compliance that has to happen, and we make sure that you have that you're in compliance and that you're playing by the rules. And and so for a few hundred dollars that's flat every year, you have total control, and you don't need to worry about paying fees for everything that you do. And that's where Oftentimes, people get talked into doing self-directed IRAs because it's very, it's fairly inexpensive to do. Sometimes it, it's a similar upfront cost. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's it's fairly low. And then they get feed on everything they do, every rent check that comes in, every time they want to go buy something. It's just fee after fee after fee. We take that out of the equation, and we certainly aren't going to do what the majority of the industry does, which is charge a percentage of, of your assets. That's one of the biggest ripoffs and cons that's out there where the, the industry says, we're charging 2%. Well, now somebody's saying, we're only going to charge you half of, of a percent or 1%. The truth is they're charging you more than that. They just don't have to tell you that they're charging you these other fees. And every year you're being charged. So as you grow your wealth, they're going to take a piece off right off the top. I mean, how, how does that, that? That's not fair. It's not right. It's what's normal, and it's why these in, these financial planning institutions and these big banks and brokerages are making so much money. They just sit there and stare at your money, and they make money whether the markets go up or down, whether they're good or bad. So we take that out of the equation to where we get paid this fixed amount to make sure you're in compliance, and then you keep all your money and you keep all those fees yourself. Right. And talk to me a little bit about compliance and how does someone go about making sure they are compliant when they're looking to purchase a real estate uh, property or an asset? Yeah, the, the, the compliance piece, it's its fairly straightforward in terms of what you need to do. And that's outlined both in my book. And I, I want to give, give that to folks that are listening to, sure. uh, to the program. They, there's It's pretty straightforward on what you can and can't do. And one of the pieces of advice that I would give people 
is make sure you have a team around you. Make sure you have an accountant and make sure you have an attorney. And and with the accountant, you simply would ask your accountant, here's the deal I'm going to do. It's either going to be really obvious, like it's going to be a rental property that you go buy, or it's going to be some convoluted thing that you've come up with. And that's where you get people that help you figure that out so that you're not constantly wondering. The tax code's too complex to think that you're going to know everything about it. So this is why you have a team. I screwed that up in the beginning where I, I was my accountant and I was the attorney. And it cost me it cost me millions of dollars because I'm not a good accountant. I'm not a good attorney. I, I just thought I was because, hey, I'm a pretty smart guy. But the, the reality is I was an idiot. And so <laughs> you want to have those people on the team and, and they help you with the, the, the more creative things. Because in real estate, a lot of the times we're thinking about how do we creative do, creatively do this deal. And you want to make sure people are kind of covering your ass too. You don't want to just be out there shooting from the hip all the time or eventually you're going to get shot in the hip. Right, exactly. So, where can people go to get you, get this book that you just offered up? Is there a, is there a website? Is there you know? Can they shoot you an email? Yeah, here's here's what I want people to do. I I would I'm gonna have a a page that's set up on our site, so it's gonna be totalcontrolfinancial.com forward slash read. And if people will go there, they can get a copy of the book. I'll I'll mail it out to them, and and it'll it'll basically walk them through the entire thing. It's and it's written in English. It's not written in IRS speak. So you're actually <laughs> going to be able to understand what's going on. And then I, with with people that are doing real estate, you're going to want this. You're going to want to you're going to want to get this set up because it's going to give you almost an unfair advantage over other people. And it's it's what mo- most people don't even realize this is it exists. They just they get a little skeptical. They go, "This sounds a little too good to be true." Well, yeah, nobody wants to tell you about it because they don't make all those fees that they've been making forever, so they keep it to themselves. But this is what this is the plan that Congress set up for themselves. This is what a lot of, of very wealthy people have. Mitt Romney, who maybe the next Secretary of State has like 40 or 50 million dollars in in one of these plans. I mean, people are using it. They just don't talk about it very often. So right. Get get a copy of the book and and look at it. Contact me and and we'll see if this is a good fit. If it's a good if, and pretty pretty likely, it's a great fit. It's not going to be a good fit. It's going to be probably the smartest thing most people have done uh, financially is have this vehicle. Nice, nice. So, Damien, this show is all about helping international investors with all your businesses over the years. Have you ever worked closely with any international investors here in the United States? I have. I've actually I, one of the things that I do. I work with Australians that have an interest in both real estate and in precious metals, and nice. so I've I, I, yeah, that's been a very there and in. I've actually had investors all over the world in Russia and and the UK, and it's kind of kind of wild. But yeah, it's it's definitely a part of. I mean, we're in a global environment, if, right. and if we're not thinking globally, we're going to get run over by somebody that is. No, that's exactly right. Globalization is here, and as much as we people want to fight it, it's uh, unfortunately as entrepreneurs, that's why we are entrepreneurs. We're taking control, and as you said at the beginning of the show. You know, kudos to everyone who does take control, and kudos to yourself who's who've gone out there and taken control of their life. And you know, maybe you've made some mistakes over your time, but you've learned from them, picked yourself up, and now look where you are. You can look back and uh, and admire the achievements. Um, so, Damien, with all your uh, experience starting over thirty companies around the United States, are you ready to g- uh, dive in and give me your top five investing tips here? Yeah, man, absolutely. All right, mate, what's the daily habit you like to practice to keep on track towards your goals? Daily habit. Every single morning, I use Grant Cardone's uh, 10x uh, planner, and right. I write down I write down my goals. And those those six goals that I have in detail are all about 10x thinking and being obsessed. With two of his books. So I, I am swimming in Grant Cardone. I'm, I'm not drinking the Kool Aid. I'm swimming in the Kool Aid. <laughs> and so I do that every single day. It's how I start my day. It's it's with my cup of coffee. And I, I can't recommend that high more. It's just it's the best way to start the day. 
Awesome, awesome. I'm uh, I've got to get my hands on the 10x rule. I've been seeing a lot about it. I, I do follow Grant a lot, but um, yeah, have to have to get it going in my life. Uh, most influential person in your career to date? I, I think the God, that's narrowing it down is is brutal, but. Grant and Gary Keller, and Gary Keller wrote the book, The One Thing, and it's all about staying focused on that one thing, being narrow and, and time blocking so we can get the, the things that matter done. Stephen Covey talked about this, keeping the main thing the main thing, and studying Gary and his philosophy in The One Thing has been a massive shift for me in the last few years, just getting that and implementing that. Uh, Gary Keller, Keller Williams, is that the guy? Yes, founder yeah. Keller, Keller yeah. Williams. Yep, yep, very influential guy. Uh, most influential tool in your real estate business? Well, it doesn't have to be a real estate business. In any business, you've had 30 of them, so there has to be at least one. There's something that that we use for our team, and I use to keep myself organized with these with the 10x thinking and the and the uh, the one thing, and that is something called a smart sheet. It's yep. a it's a tool online. We use it to communicate between all the different team members, and we can we can really without having to have chaos where somebody's constantly emailing or or texting this keeps the conversations and our projects organized and it keeps me on track i know what i what i am supposed to be doing and i stay focused on that i love that tool yep i i use smartsheet all the time i think it's great it, you smartsheet.com right yes yeah yeah and it's got the input do your scheduling on there and set goals for everyone and then set reminders and then ping each other yeah i think it's fantastic i use it in my business as well and and not many people actually know about it they use other things like evernote but um, i'm <laughs> glad you, i'm glad you use smartsheet yeah uh, uh and then i want to know finally the the biggest mistake you've made to date and what was the lesson that you learned from that mistake Biggest mistake I made was having my goals being primarily focused on a giant amount of money and not having not not understanding that the money was was a reflection of the the contribution that I made. So, the if we realize that that the actual wealth, the financial wealth, is a ninety degree effect of what we're doing, that the the more we're on track, the more that we have purpose, and the universe is in conspiracy with us, we're going to have this this money show up. My, my biggest mistake was focusing all this energy on having more money, but it was never enough. So eventually the universe said, okay, you're not really contributing. You're just taking, and it, and it kicked the crap out of me. So I w the problem wasn't thinking too small. It was thinking big, but it wasn't thinking big in the right way. I think many people think too small. They, don't, they underestimate what they're capable of long-term. They overestimate short-term, and yet they're not thinking about the level of their contribution. They're thinking about the level of their bank account. So my suggestion there and what I learned was think big in terms of my contribution. It's not about the next million dollars. It's about the next million people I'm going to impact. And from there, the million is going to turn into a billion in the bank because of the million people I've impacted. So it's all about the contribution. It's not about figuring out how to get more money into my bank account. Right, right. Are you a big Tony Robbins uh, follower? I love Tony Robbins. I, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been following him for 20 years. I mean, yeah. I, I, and I mean, the guy's got the biggest hands. I remember meeting him one time, <laughs> and it was like Jack Black said in, in, uh, in Shallow Howl, it's like a bunch of bananas. He's just, <laughs> he's got the biggest heart and the biggest hands. The guy's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, just the way you, uh, what you were speaking about, about inspiring a million people for a billion, you know, an effect of a billion dollars, which because you're inspiring those million people, it's very much along the same lines of philosophy that he, he, he works by. Final question, mate, before I know you've got to get out of here, you're, you're probably a very, very busy man, is where can people reach you to continue the conversation? Best place to go is, is to check out totalcontrolfinancial.com and again, forward slash read, and I'll have a copy of the book there. I also love hearing from people on LinkedIn and, and follow me on Twitter. So LinkedIn, Damien Lupo, and, and Twitter, Damien Lupo as well. Reach out to me. People, it's fun. So when people reach out and they say, I heard you, I had one guy yesterday say, hey, I heard you, and 
damn, you're, you're an egotistical guy. And I realized that I resonated with that because I think I am too. And I was laughing and I was like, well, hey, we are who we are. And, and I, I just love hearing people that are, that are listening and, and doing something that they're not just on the sidelines. They're actually participating. And I, and I love communicating with, with folks and supporting them. So if, if you want to reach out to me, I'm going to reach out back. I may even shoot you back a video. And, and so be prepared. It, it, you, may get, you may get spiked in your traffic. <laughs> well, Damien, you've provided some incredible, incredible advice about you know how to fail fast. And just to recap on some of the lessons that you've learned and taken away from your, your career after starting 30 businesses, 15 of which have failed, but that's okay because you've learned to, you know, to fail fast. That's probably the number one thing I've taken out of this conversation. The second one is to probably surround yourself when you're young with people that can give you advice when you're in your 20s and your early 30s you don't you haven't been through the ups and downs yet and you just think it's all ups uh, another piece of advice i took away is that you like to see that you know if you're investing with someone that you know they have actually failed they've been through um, failure because that it will help them towards future success uh, and we talked a little bit about eqrp and and that you know people can go and hit you up uh, if they want to check out some more information about eqrp did i leave anything out there's just one quote that really sums up the entire sure. essence of that, and I would love to leave that leave folks with that, and that is that a mistake is not a failure unless not admitted. The universe gives us this great opportunity to learn, but we have to acknowledge what we've learned. We have to acknowledge and take ownership for every part of it. Love it. Who who said that? It's a it's a total um, bastardization of something that Bucky Fuller said about mistakes. <laughs> I love it. I'm going to tweet that out after this show. Well, Damien, thanks for dropping by. Cheers, mate. Enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Cheers, buddy. Well, there you have it. Another great episode jam-packed full of some awesome investing advice about what you do when you fail, and you've got to get yourself back up, get yourself back in the saddle, and just to you know, summarize a little bit more on what Damien said, it's very, very important to have a mentor so you can you know, bounce ideas off one another and that you can make sure you're making the right decision rather than going out there alone it's very, very dangerous and very, very risky. Make sure you do have a team around you, whether it be a mentor, whether it be other colleagues, that you can go to a trusted group or, or, or a couple of people that you can say, hey, I'm looking at this deal. Do you think this makes sense? Um, you know, and, and if you are, I'm always up for looking at other deals. If you are out there and you're thinking, I don't have that person, well, hey, I can be your accountability person. So, so hit me up at, at read at rsmpropertygroup.com if you want me to be, you know, look at your deal and just give you some, you know, my 30 seconds advice. More than happy to do it for free. There's no there's no charges, no, nothing like that. I'm just, I just want to give back. And so, if anyone is out there um, and needing a mentor, needing someone who you know they can they can bounce ideas off about investing in U.S. real estate, and it might not just be about investing in U.S. real estate. It might be in, you're investing in in other countries, Canada, America, uh, sorry, Canada, Australia, England, Europe, whatever it is. I'm always interested in looking at new deals around the world. Uh, I'm I'm a global guy, so um, you know a deal is a deal in my in my books. If if it, if it cash flows and it makes sense, then hey, let's let's. Uh, Let's uh, let me have a look at it. So um, now, remember, if you are, if you do want to join the community of awesome entrepreneurs that listen to my show, then subscribe to my show. We're on all the platforms: iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, leave a comment, and as I said in the beginning of the show, if you leave a comment, I'm going to shoot you my new ebook, which is the uh, art and science of raising capital like a pro: the four P rule professionalism, pitch, practice, and patience. It's so, so important, those four Ps. And you're going to be able to start raising capital and start changing your mindset about how you raise capital for your real estate businesses. 
All right, guys, I hope you've been inspired. This show has inspired you to get off the couch and start taking some action. Make sure you check out all the show notes for a summary of today's conversation with Damien up on my website at rsnpropertygroup.com forward slash podcast. And whilst you're there, sign up for my newsletter um, and sign up for my, my, my wind downs in downtown LA, which are networking events. Awesome, awesome events. We try and host them once a month. We're going to do this all again next week. So take care, be safe. And remember, as I always say, happy investing. Happy investing.